Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to episode 113 of the Gateworld Podcast. My name is Darren. My name is David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. David, happy 2011. Happy 2011 to you. Happy 2011. Happy 2011. Do you realize that this is our fourth year in operation? That's not true. I think so. For the podcast? Yeah. We started in summer of 08. That sounds about right. Yeah. So our fourth calendar year on Fourth the calendar year. It's a little bit cheating, but I'll let you go ahead and get away with it. 2008, 2009, so 2010, as of 2011. This summer, we're going to hit our three-year podcasting anniversary. Yes. So how was your break? How were your holidays? Holidays were good. I went home for both Thanksgiving and Christmas, saw the fams, and got to recharge a little bit, saw some, uh, saw some family, saw some friends, ready to get back into the game, though, for uh, 2011. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on this year. You know, we've got another 10 episodes of SGU that's uh, going to, in my, in my opinion, is probably going to be a joy to cover. So what I about yourself? So. We ended the, the year last year on, on kind of a down note with the cancellation news. But I think there's some good stuff coming up in 2011, um, not just for science fiction in general, but for Stargate specifically. These 10 episodes that are coming up in the spring, I'm really excited about. We're going to get that SGA crossover that I'm excited about in episode 15. You know, I get, the first thing that I want to talk about right off the bat is that there's news on, on the SGU front since the cancellation was announced, and that's the, that Brad Wright has said that he's, he's not ready to give up yet. And so MGM has come out of bankruptcy. That's the other big piece of news that people want to hear about, I think. Um, their bankruptcy restructuring is done, and they've secured $500 million in in new financing to finance new film and television projects, yep. which, which we expect Stargate's going to get some kind of a cut of that. I spoke with Charlie Cohen a couple of weeks ago. and Oh, you did? I did. I did for a separate project. And he is adamant uh, that they're going to uh, keep the porch light on for Stargate. They really want it to come back in some form. Um, he sure is a huge fan. So right. um, this, is, this is a very, very good thing. I don't know what that form is going to be, but it's exciting that MGM is, is now uh, at this phase and is ready to move ahead. Uh, and Brad is not giving up on, on two seasons of SGU. He wants the story to continue in some form. Now, it's too early to know what that's going to be, if they're going to try and take a third season to another network or do some sort of you know, special magic online distribution deal that nobody's ever done before with with serialized television or if they're talking about you know a movie on dvd and blu-ray or something like that but but he's he said that we're not giving up on the story yet the 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 last episode that we see in the spring gauntlet is not the end of the story Uh, and so he is working with mgm right now to try and figure out how to continue the show in some form yeah i mean even if it comes down to a book i'll buy the book (laughs) yeah well it's, it's so serialized and they they you know they're telling one big story, mm-hmm. and they've said that it that it's about a five year story. Uh, and now that we know what Destiny's mission is, I want to know what the end of the story is. You know, well, the beginnings of what Destiny's mission is. I mean, there's a signal out there, okay. You know, and at season two, you know, mid season two, I think that that's where we should be. And it's just we were really cut off at the knees with this story. Yeah. I want to know yeah. more. 
Yeah, and the bad news is, on the other hand, uh, Joe Malazzi has said on his blog in the last couple of weeks that the cancellation of SGU does mean that any progress they might have been making moving forward on the Atlantis movie is now back on the on the top shelf on the back burner because they want to focus on SGU if it were to I mean what what's the reason behind that I'm, I'm not sure what the reasoning is it seems like SGU is what's on the air right now so in terms of not just hardcore fans like us but casual viewers who are watching on sci-fi they want to strike while that iron is still hot while SGU still has that immediate brand recognition I would think and get something SGU out there we could do a whole show on what do you want to see next from, from the world of Stargate. I would love to see movies from all of these. Um, if they can get a third season of SGU up and going uh, somewhere other than sci-fi, I would love it. You know, If they are forced into a break, uh, forced to, to not be shooting episode 301 in March, uh, I hope that they do take, take advantage of the opportunity and of the new financing from MGM and get those movies done get the sg1 and the atlantis movies made yeah and at this point i mean obviously people are 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 complaining so much and i think a lot of them have have good reason to complain because we've been looking for these movies for a long time and you know the sga movie was uh, a sci-fi channel mgm press release where they said this is being made Mm -hmm. and the casual fan out there doesn't know why it hasn't arrived yet Mm mm-hmm well, the uh, casual fan may not even know that it's out there. My feeling is that, you know, we shouldn't put SGU on hold to stop and go do these movies if we can continue SGU. But if we have the opportunity now to make the movies, if we have the money, if we have the the time in the in the production schedule, then uh, even if MGM can't make money on them, yeah. it almost feels like in order to recover a little bit of reputation for the Yeah, franchise. exactly. They need to go ahead and get them done and make them low budget, get them out there. The fact of the matter is the 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 time for striking while the iron's hot for an SG1 Atlantis movie has come and gone. Sure. And and B, not to say that it can't still, but B, the sets that are standing right now are the SGU sets. And the assets that are sitting in the uh, warehouses are the SGU assets. My mm-hmm. company hasn't gotten them yet. So there's still a possibility, and there's been no word of us of us getting them yet. So that's a that's a good thing from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to sell it yet, and that's and that's great for that's great for the fans. You know that time will come. There's still an opportunity for for SGU. I mean, do I think that we're going to get a season three? I don't know. This is a time in the franchise's history where nobody can, I think, really predict accurately what's going on. Mm-hmm. MGM's just come out of bankruptcy and has has this money to spend now for the first time. But are they going to want to throw $50 million to a season three with no network? Right. So how do you make that money back? And the problem with the DVD movies has been that, that no one buys people DVDs are not anymore. buying DVDs anymore. No. Uh, it, it can't sustain. And I never thought so, I'd be saying that. I always thought that, you know, but, but people are moving ah, to the yeah. online market. It's not even that they're just moving on to Blu-ray. It's that they're buying stuff online. Exactly. The online market, the online black tighter. market, unfortunately. Yeah. And even in, in the, on the legal side with Amazon and iTunes and, and other, you know, not even on your computer screen, but now you can get things like Netflix and, and on-demand mm-hmm. piped through cable provider through Netflix. You can get it piped through your Wii now. My buddy Curtis, I work out with every morning. We're next to each other on treadmills, and he pulls out his iPhone and stream. He streamed Star Trek this morning from Netflix through his <laughs> iPhone. This is the way wow. that we're going. 
that's just the way it is. You mm-hmm. know, and he pays 10 bucks a month for an unlimited number of television and movies uh, plugged in through his iPhone. We don't buy, you know, DVDs, not really. It's an interesting shift. Yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, what's going to happen because all that we know right now is that Brad and MGM are talking and are trying to come up with a plan. And I'm excited to see if they can come up with something that they think is going to work. But I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I had a great Christmas. That's, I did ask. You did ask, and then I went off and talked <laughs> about it. You're still, uh, you're still in Washington, aren't you? Yeah, we've been visiting family in the beautiful Pacific Northwest for six weeks. How's the weather been up there? Days, days away from leaving on a jet plane to go back to Scotland. The weather's been nice. It's been really mild. I haven't seen a snowflake. At all? Well, I guess a few. Okay. Nothing's really stuck. Okay. It snowed uh, on Christmas back home, on, especially yeah. on Christmas Eve. I was delighted. I cannot yeah, tell you. Yeah, I saw you. your pictures. As miserable as our, as our Scotland winter was last year, just being iced in, yeah. basically frozen into our flat for three weeks. This is great. This has been in the 40s and the low 50s Fahrenheit, and I yeah. love it. And both of my kids have had their birthdays. Yes, that's right. SGU season two so far. Shall we discuss it? Oh, yes. We also have a main discussion topic. Let's do that. The main discussion. I was remiss to announce this at the top of the show, but you should know by now if you've clicked on this little file that our main discussion topic is SGU Season 2 so far. We've seen 10 out of the 20 episodes this year. Uh, Once again, the back 10 are coming in the spring on Sci-Fi Channel. And so there's a lot to talk about. There's uh, some significant advancements in the story arc. There's um, new developments for the characters. Lots of stuff to talk about. Where do you want to start? I want to start with what has come before, both in SGU Season 1 and uh, SG-1 and Atlantis Season 2. As human beings, we can't help but compare new material with old material. I certainly look at uh, at Atlantis Season 2, and I feel that... Um, SGU season two has already um, outrun it in terms of the quality of storytelling. It's really up there. And even mm-hmm. though only 10 episodes of SGU season two have aired, comparing it to the 22 of SG1 season two, it's a, it's a pretty close contender for as, as good a season in terms mm-hmm. of the character development. In some ways, it's apples and oranges. It's, they're two very different shows. They're very different sets of characters. But I feel that the quality of the storytelling is very much on par at this point with uh, SG-1 Season 2, from what we've seen so far in SGU Season 2. And certainly, it has grown from Season 1, the storytelling that, uh, that, uh, that was uh, about in Season 1. I mean, Brad mm-hmm. and the gang, it's clear that they, they took a look at what was effective and what wasn't last year. And and they've upped they've really upped the ante. And I haven't felt at all this year that there has been a sophomore slump. Uh, e- even off the top of my head right now, I can't yeah. I can't really think of any episodes that I've been dissatisfied with. Not really. I mean, yeah. the finale the finale was was mediocre. We criticized I mean, it a little bit. As, we we as did. A we did. It's the official effects were astounding, but still, it was it was kind of a mediocre finale. And I'm really I'm really looking for a lot out of out of the the return, and I think we're going to get it. I'm I'm looking at our episode guide right now. If you're online, go to gateworld.net/slash/universe/slash/s2. Oh, <laughs> there is not a a soft episode in the bunch. The in in my I opinion, agree, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. These four star ratings are just mine. They're just from from Darren. 
The one that I rated lowest was Pathogen. I gave it two stars, and that's not mm. because there was anything wrong with it. It was just because I thought it was it was kind of a middle of the road episode, and and the two to two and a half star rating tends to be my middle of the road. That was definitely a slower one, yeah. But I think you're right about the comparisons with with the two shows that have come before. Now, granted, SG One season two was being made in 1998, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, as as writers and as storytellers, this this group of people has come very far and and television styles have changed as that's a 12-year gap you know storytelling is different yeah yeah absolutely and and that's why sgu is such a different show this show would not have been made in the 90s at different sensibilities for television sg1 season two was when i first started watching and really fell in love with the show me too and so it's still got fifth race one of my all-time favorite hours of stargate it's got some really terrific hours of television um, I think you're right that SGU is there already. There, there are some episodes in here that that I I see myself watching again and again ten years from now. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, d- is there a fifth race in this bunch yet? No, but maybe soon. Even though it's less episodic, Atlanta season two. In in contrast, I thought that the show sort of did have a bit of a sophomore slump after its first season. When we did our our series of podcasts going through one season at a time. And we were like rating our how we thought of the seasons as a whole. I think that, I think that I said that Atlanta season two was probably my least favorite mm-hmm. of the five. Mm-hmm. They had Runner, which was excellent, and they had Michael, which was excellent. If you were lucky enough to avoid right. the spoilers, which I wasn't, but I, I really think SGU has has had a, a number of standouts so far. I have to agree with you. The pathogen was was a little bit of a a little bit of a slump for uh, this first half of the season, though. I love Eli's mother. I adore mm. her. Glennis Davies, I've been, um, I've been in love with her ever since SG-1's season 2, episode 1969, when she played Catherine Langford. Um, and, and years and years, over a decade later, she's still involved in Stargate in one form or another. So we come out of season 1 with this uh, Lucian Lines invasion. We had the two-parter uh, incursion at the end of last season, which starts off uh, season 2 with intervention, tying up that storyline. And we've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think that, that the Lucian Alliance incursion went on too long. I mm. think three episodes is a bit much for that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But it does some fantastic stuff in, A, introducing an outside threat, an outside enemy that becomes a real, immediate, tangible problem and an ongoing problem. B, uh, it, it shakes up this cast and crew uh, of, of people who are on board the Destiny now. We have... Uh, these ongoing characters the first half of this season. We have Varro, Mike Dopoot's character. Um, we have Gin, or at least we did for a while, <laughs> and Simeon. And, you know, we know going into the back half of the season that, that Varro, at least, and probably a few others that we haven't met yet, are still around. So bringing the Lucian Alliance onto the ship really shook up the show in an mm-hmm. important way. I, I have a feeling that Varro has Varro is really felt like Sharon Valeri in season two of Battlestar. Athena, if if you're really familiar with the show, I, I get the feeling that Varro is going to be integrated at some point. He's gonna he's gonna prove himself. I may be completely wrong, but Mike Dopu's such awesome sauce. I really hope that he would have been a part of the main cast in season three. <laughs> <laughs> now we don't have to go through these episodes one by one to talk about the first ten of the season. But aftermath comes after intervention, uh, after we've resolved the Lucian Alliance problem, and. When you look at the season so far, what stands out about Aftermath, obviously, is 
Sergeant Riley's death, mm-hmm. this death is just gut-wrenching. Not just that they killed off a, a supporting character, which the Stargate writers really know how to do rather well, actually. They've been killing off secondary characters as long as I can remember. I think all the way back to Martouf in mm-hmm. Season 4 season of SG-1. Four. But it's it's the way that this death is portrayed uh, that, that really illustrates how different SGU is. It's really uncomfortable to watch. Did Did you hold your breath while watching that? Do you find that you do that while watching movies that, like like in Star Trek Four when Kirk is trying to save the whales underwater? Do you find yourself <laughs> holding your breath? Probably in this scene, much more so. Yeah. Okay. Louis yeah, Ferreira because, was holding his breath. Yeah, you can tell that Colonel Young there's that big exhale at the end. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think of the, you, you say that it's gut-wrenching, and I agree. It, I think what part of uh, what makes it gut-wrenching is his death was for nothing. I mean, it was a terrible accident. You know, it's interesting how, how Rush, uh, how Young eventually transfers the blame onto Rush because Young has been holding this burden through multiple episodes until the greater good. I find that that's, that's very, very interesting. Yeah, at this point in the story, this, again, is the episode where Rush has first discovered the bridge and he's first gained some measure of control over Destiny, at least when she drops out of FTL. He's pushing buttons and trying to see what they do. He's, he's seen it for a couple of days now, I think. Yeah, and Franklin has given them, him this warning about this planet that he sent the shuttlecraft off to, and he ignores it and tells them, hey, you guys, just be careful when you go. And it results in Riley's death, and this is, this is something that sticks with the show. Through the rest of, of it sets the tone two so far, I mean, you get Young brings this up and he throws it in Rush's face and he blames Rush for this when they have their fight in the Greater Good. You've got Camille brings it up with Eli when mm-hmm. she's talking to him about his uh, sort of mental emotional issues that's going on with him. Mm-hmm. He was he was just a really good guy and uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to lose someone like that. You know, I'm glad that I'm glad that they did it because throughout the rest of this half of the season. I've felt that sense of jeopardy. When Simeon starts shooting up the ship and knocking people off, I really mm-hmm. thought that Lisa Park or, um, uh, or, Volker. or Volker could go in that scene. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't know what was going to happen. We had just lost two fantastic female guest stars, and we mm-hmm. could lose more. You know, The show doesn't hold back any punches, and I love that about it. You know, I don't go in every single week saying, how are they just going to resolve this problem and move on to the next problem the next week? Because you know, no one ever dies. They don't. They don't. They're not brave enough to 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 take those risks, or they don't want to. They can't do this to this person because he's the hero archetype, and they can't do this to this person because he's the this archetype. No one is really any archetype in this show. The archetypes are dead. Everyone is flawed, and that's the way of it. So. And you've got this guy Simeon who's just crazy, in malice, standing in the gate room, pointing a gun at Volker, telling him to dial the planet. And I thought it's a toss up. Volker might might get off yeah. right now yeah and then lisa on the planet with a bomb strapped to her yeah. rush Didn't tries to get it off it. tries to disarm it and at one point thinks that he can't and you know she says it's okay she's making and peace yeah I, and and it's great that, that this is a show where i believe that at least these secondary characters could get off at any moment i was actually kind of surprised that at this point i guess in sg1 and Atlantis even more so, there was a sense of jeopardy for the main cast. I guess in Atlantis, because uh, Lieutenant Ford had been written off the show by this point. Mm-hmm. 
first of season two, uh, one of the main cast members gets written off. And because we have such a large main cast, we've got eight plus Telford. Right. Uh, I, I kind of expected that by the middle of season two, I don't know. I, what do you think? I feel like these guys are more safe. Really? Because there's so Even many of them? Even than Atlantis. Not because there's so many of them, but because I'm not sure why. They just, I, I don't get the same sense of jeopardy. Uh, maybe it's because so many of the actors are involved online on Twitter and in, mm. in shows marketing. They're they're all sort of beefed up and praised. That I don't get that feeling at I all. I think that that's interesting. If one that of them was that. written off at this point. Huh? I don't I don't feel that way at all. I feel that any of them could go. And you know, as much as I love pretty much everybody there, I hope they don't hold it against me. If if when they do go in the second half of season two, if they do, I go yes. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but you know that's that's good drama. You know, it's just. I've always I was always felt that it's been really safe with the main actors because you know when Michael Shanks was was written off the show, all of online fandom made this huge production about it for months. I mean Brad Wright mm-hmm. announced it at GateCon and it just went on and on. So you're not going to see it happen next week on Stargate. You know all of a sudden <gasps> he's gone. You know because there's this yeah. whole big production that has to, that has to happen and the fans have to create save so and so dot com and this and that. But with nine people, I really think that. Um, Anything could happen, and they're not going to say anything on, on Twitter. You know, if if they're not going to say, "Oh, I, this was my last day on set," no, they just won't talk about being on set anymore. They'll dodge questions. You know, Katie sure. Sackhoff did a brilliant job with BSG when she was off. You know, she she started guest starring on other shows, so mm-hmm. and then she came back, and we never knew. So well, I, now remember our remember our two doctors that we lost in season seven of SG One, the two parter heroes. Mm-hmm. We lost Janet Fraser. Who was not a main cast member, but who had been virtually a main cast member. Yeah. Had certainly been a part of the family since season one. Her first episode was episode four for crying out loud. Yeah, and she gets killed off, and then. But in we knew Sunday, about that months in advance. Months sure, in advance. sure, we did. Okay. We lost Car- uh, Carson Beckett in Sunday, and in season three of Atlantis, he was a main a cast member at that point. In both of those cases, remember the first thing that was said to fans to sort of explain why this decision was made was. We want to present the story as as uh, as more realistic. It's it's a way to sort of ground Stargate as this is us, this is sort of 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 our world, our military people, and in in the military we lose people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we lose people for no good reason. Sometimes you're just out there uh, trying to save a guy's life on the battlefield, and a stray staff blast is going to get you. Well, it's certainly a convenient explanation for the press and publicity, you know. Yeah, but for SGU, which is supposed to be, you know, more that much more realistic yeah. and, and more gritty. Yeah, uh, you would gritty. Expect, I hate that word. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would expect that virtually anybody could get hit by a stray staff blast. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if we found Jaffa on some planet? No, it wouldn't, Darren. Staff blast. <laughs> Whatever. Plasma-based weapons, fine. Staff blast, not so much. Plasma-based weapons. No, if it's replicators, hey. <laughs> now, that, there's a legitimate uh, excuse there. We know that they're out in the universe somewhere. I wouldn't mind seeing one replicator episode and then never again. So Telford, now we're up to around episode three, and he's kind of hanging around. He survived the incursion. Yeah, which he's is aboard kind the ship now. He's aboard Destiny. He's aboard he's the ship there. now. Uh, and we have this terrific actor in Lou Diamond Phillips, and you sort of know that they can't keep him around forever. So either... They're going to kill him off at some point, or they're going to find some way to write him off the show. Because if he's still on Destiny, 
you know, he's a colonel. He's got to be involved pretty much in every adventure of the week. Mm-hmm. And so either you're going to sign them up as a full cast member in season two, which I thought might have happened, but it didn't happen. This is an interesting thing about uh, Lou Diamond. Every time I hear his name, I want to say LDP. You know? <laughs> um, you know, you have such a great actor in LDP and Lou Diamond Phillips. You know, I, you think that he's going to get offed at some point because either he has to get offed or they have to find some place to stick him, to file him mm-hmm. away for a few episodes until they bring him back again. And you know, when he got aboard the ship, I started playing. And you were this. betting that he wasn't going to make, make it through the pilot. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to make it through there. Um, I think you owe me $5 still. I do. Well, whenever I see you, yeah. I mean, the conversion rates would suck if I mailed it over <laughs> PayPal. Anyway, uh, when he got aboard the ship in season two, I really thought that that was it. You know, because unless he's going to be a main cast member, they have to they have to put him somewhere. And it was genius that they put him on the um, on the other ship in Awakening. And you know, it was unexpected when when we saw him in Cloverdale. I thought that was great. But now that he's back again, I'm really I'm asking myself, okay, what's next? Where what are they going to do to stash him? Mm-hmm. Or, or to slip him somewhere until, who knows, un- until the finale, maybe, or something like that. Because he's so big, he's so good, maybe so expensive. I, I don't know about that. But it's great to have him, but I can see that they can't have him in every episode. So where is he going to go now? Yeah, he's, he's been a really nice presence in season two, uh, where he has shown up. He's good for young, and I think so much of what we've seen in SU season two so far is really the story of Colonel Young. Yeah, uh, and so yeah. how his how is Young affected by Riley's death? You know, he's driven further into despair, into his own personal hell, and how is he affected by Telford? And we see in Awakening, Telford is is a friend of his who has potentially a really positive influence. Mm-hmm. You know, his last words to Colonel Young when he gets stuck on the sea ship is, you know, take care of those people and take care of yourself. Yeah, because yeah. he knows that Young is in a bad place, and uh, I think. He can't be around if if the writers are going to take Young to hell and back between episode two hundred three and two ten. No, Telford wouldn't uh, let him go there. Telford Telford's uh, is too good of a friend. Mm-mm. No, he he couldn't let him do it. But you know, Scott is his subordinate, and that's some of the great stuff about um, trial and error, in my opinion. You know, Scott mm-hmm. just says, "You know what? You you've got to you've got to do this. You've got to get yourself. You've got to pick yourself up." Well, so young then he does he does go to hell. He goes to the bottom of the, the shot glass. And as much as SGU is a story of rush and finding destiny and destiny's mission, if it's a story about people, then it's it's first and foremost, I think, a story about Everett Young. And, yeah. Uh, and the journey that he takes from the incursion at the start of the season to sort of having his stuff together and being in control of the ship a little bit and kind of, you know, being able to sit in the captain's chair in episode 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is an important journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah, I've really felt that this season has been more about Rush and Young than uh, the previous season. You know, the, the previous season really tried to spend a lot of time equaling out the players. And these two guys have really, generally, in my opinion, been more front and center. You know, you look at episodes like Malice and The Greater Good and Trial and Error, which is, you know, Young and then Young Rush and then Rush. These are strong actors who are given strong uh, parts to play. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons season two has been so so successful. Now, in terms of this relationship between these two lead guys, I've said to you before, and I'll say it again, we've come a long way from Justice which was the midpoint of last season, where these guys were having a knockdown, dragout fight, and Young left Rush behind to die on a planet. 
they're not there anymore. They did have another knockdown drag out, clearly, in the greater good. But I'd kind of like to, to believe that they've sort of turned a corner. You think that that's uh, behind them? As much as Rush says, hey, we all have to work together for, for this mission, and as much as Young says, uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. He wants to, to step up and man up and, and uh, do the best for his people. They've both made those decisions sort of personally. I would like to think that their relationship is is past the, the, the justice point. Yeah. That, you know, by the end of season two, we could be at a point where it, it would just be totally foreign to think of, you know, young leaving Rush behind to die. I don't know. There's a lot of chapters left to be told. I mean, if if, if everything... All things being equal, if if we have the opportunity to see all this, I don't know. I I see before the end or right near the end, I see them going at it once more. I have this mm. image of Frodo and Gollum struggling on um, on the precipice in Mount Doom, and you know I can mm. just see something like that happening with them. I I don't I I think it would be um, foolish to think that uh, that Rush's edges are all smooth now. I think that would be I think that would be yes. mar- extremely foolish. Yes, um, I think that's right. Young is is not going to be ever portrayed as some some villain and rush could very potentially ultimately be a villain in the end i can see that happening at some point i I hope that something like that happens but until then they need to use each other they need to play chess please for the love of god um (laughs) make use of that chess set that we saw yes they must do that i hope they do there's a lot of potential for these two to really be you know xavier and magneto yeah, and Rush's edges can't all be gone uh, just because he's discovered the mission, the cosmic background radiation signal, and he's told people about it. Um, that can't be the end of his sort of... You know, Rush approaches situations as he is a smart dude and he knows best. Mm-hmm. So he's going to follow Young, I think, only insofar as he believes that Young is making decisions that are in his best interests in Russia's interests and in the interests of the ship Mm -hmm. and I think you're right at the end of the day you know when they the rubber meets the road in in fulfilling the ship's mission Rush is probably going to see something that he just doesn't agree with yeah in what Young is doing and at that point he's perfectly willing to break again I if, if you boil it down between these two I think the biggest difference between them is that Young values life and Rush does not or Rush certainly does not value life like Young does. And nothing is more important to Young than getting those people home and the safety of his crew. That's really what it comes down to. And that's what they will always be fighting about. And Rush believes in this necessity of sacrifice. Oh, absolutely, but not necessarily himself. And that's the thing. Right. I think Rush has some very valid points, you know. There, there is a, there's a degree of acceptable loss in certain situations. Was it 20% on the battlefield? And Young is not willing to go there. He has to save everyone. And in, in the situation that they have created in this show, saving everyone is not going to be possible. There has to be this middle ground somewhere. And Young is the first one to say, okay, I'm going to carry out the mission. I'm going to blow up the bomb. And he has to learn not to, I think. I think he has to discover his own self-worth. I think he's beginning to. And he has to, if he's, if he's going to come all the way back, and he's going to continue to be a commander... In the United States Air Force, he has to learn how to order other people to go and set off that bomb. You know, that, that great B-plot in the episode that I can't remember in Star Trek The Next Generation, where Troy is taking her, her yeah. command exams. Yeah, she, yeah, she orders LaForge to, to his death in the holodeck. 
Yeah, now pair that with Jack O'Neill in Prodigy, where Sam observe, observes towards the end that he's not going to order anybody to do what he's not willing to do himself. Mm-hmm. Somewhere there's a there's a yin and a yang between those two um, that that Colonel Young has to has to learn, and I'd be fascinated if ultimately there is some you know doomsday device somebody needs to sacrifice their life for Destiny's mission, and it ends up having to be Rush. Rush doesn't have any family that we know of to go back home to. His wife is gone. As far as we know, they'd never had any kids. Maybe the culmination of Rush's story is we need to see this guy do something for the mission that is not for himself, that is, that is self-sacrificing, uh, and prove that he's not Machiavelli, prove that he's not Gaius Baltar. Yeah, that's the thing about Rush. You know, we, He is all for this mission, as f- from what we've seen so far, but he hasn't been willing to put his own life on the line for it. He wants whatever power or whatever control or whatever whatever is at the mm. end of those uh, of that train track of gates the uh, blue aliens god help us if we never get a name for them um that that thread <laughs> has continued through this uh first half of the season and we've also been introduced to the ursini as well that thread played through a couple of episodes in the first half of of season two a lot of people thought they were the same species as the blue aliens for a little while there i think it's pretty, pretty mm. safe to say they're not what an achievement in visual effects and sound those guys Uh-oh. are what a fantastic job that uh, uh mark Sfell and his team have executed in creating yeah, the ursini especially mm-hmm. and i wish that we'd gotten to see more of them in in resurgence maybe we will in the second half of the season maybe we'll adopt one Mm-hmm. I hope that there's some lasting effect to, and I've said this before, I hope that there's some lasting effect to this mid-season two-parter. I hope we pick up a character or pick up a technology or a resource yeah. to help us along the way that makes we this need... two-parter ultimately relevant to the entire story of SGU. Yeah, we need an Ursini pet. Uh, but the blue aliens, we haven't seen them, actually. Uh, we saw them in, in Colonel Young's nightmare simulation. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, they haven't followed storm. us to this galaxy. Yeah, but, but it's continued through the character of Chloe and through her transformation, which was a seed that was sown a long time ago. Not only did they apparently do something to her when they apparently. had her That's not space. confirmed yet on screen. What's that? That, that it was them who did this to her. I, I still haven't bought that. I mean, the producers have, have okay. said that off screen, but I mean... It, that's fair enough. It, it hasn't been 100% established. But um, we did see this little little seed in Lost when she's looking at the... the Alien computer. This this is tr- absolutely interface true. in the crash shuttle. She recognizes shuttle it. Yes, and sort of knows what button to push. Um, that's the seed I'm thinking of. I think that's the earliest example of this transformation. Yeah, Chloe has some sort of intuition that she shouldn't necessarily have. Mm-hmm. Menu layouts in an alien computer. So this is if that's what's going on. What we suspect is that when they, the blue aliens caught her in space, and they had her in their little water tank for. I don't even know how long she was over there. Forty-five minutes? Not very long they, at all. They did. Yeah. They did something to her, and this is this is really kind of a slow burn to unfold what's going on with her character. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this is a purpose. duplicate. Yeah, and I hope that it's not just that the blue aliens are going to sort of track us and show up and and shoot at us again, and that Chloe is is really just sort of a Trojan horse to help them get mm-hmm. on board. I mean, what's her purpose? If if her purpose ultimately is to lower the shields on the inside of the ship. I think mm. that would be pretty lame, <laughs> but it may be, you know, that it may be, be her just, function. It's a long time getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for whatever reason, they need to give her a makeover while she's doing it. 
I think you know, if, and if you think of it that way, I wouldn't necessarily have have chosen to have her physically transform because the crew is suspecting that there's something wrong. Your Trojan mm-hmm. horse is not a Trojan horse. You know, they you're, they're seeing this transformation. They're suspecting that something's up. They're not going to let it into the city if you if you if you take the metaphor a little bit further. You would want her to stay as normal in appearance as possible, uh, and in appearance in mind. So that when something did go wrong, holy frack, you know? Yeah, she's just the, the sleeping time bomb, the, mm-hmm. the boomer. Mm-hmm. Don't there you, you think, go. Though, that maybe that's an argument for her not being just a Trojan horse, is because the blue aliens know the ar- the argument that you just made. They know that she starts acting funny and having uh, little trances and messing around with the ship, and her skin is transforming. People are going to figure it out. We're probably going to stick her in a room and lock her away, at yeah. least. I'm thinking she may be a blue alien herself, and she's slowly transforming back into whatever it is. But they, they don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of time to carry that out. And this is this is another one of my issues about the first half of season two. In my opinion, this has taken too long. The Chloe story. Specifically. The Chloe story specifically. I think we need to. If this goes continues to go for the entire second half of season two, this is a really long burn for this story. These aliens have a lot of yeah. patience. Maybe they're the Ashen. It's kind of, maybe they are. It's kind of been a, a B-plot in a lot of stories. Remember, in Visitation, the B-story is Greer, you know, trying to keep Matt from going and visiting her too much because he's got to sort of start to cut the cord. And, and, you know, Greer and Chloe saying goodbye, she's dealing with the fact that she's probably going to have to be put off the ship at least mm-hmm. at some point it's interesting that they keep on carrying it out it's, it's certainly given her something to do i mean one of the things that i speculated about her character in season one is that she was going to become an ai for destiny she was going to become um mm. the, the 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 physical interaction of the the manifestation of the ship physically and that's that seems to have happened with gloria and with franklin actually mm-hmm. um so that's kind of surprised me but i think that there still may be a potential there but, I mean, Andromeda has done that, so... And I never saw Andromeda. And I like that right. notion. Yeah, with Lexa Duig's character. Chloe would certainly be a little nicer to look at for a ship AI than Franklin. <laughs> no offense to the wonderful Mark Burgess. Chloe has, um, has... She's definitely gotten something to do. That issue from season one is, is taken care of. Mm-hmm. She's got some crazy superpowers that we've seen in Cloverdale she uses her her magic blood to to save Matt mm-hmm. and didn't apparently make him one as well I, if I if I read that correctly did what was it the case right. he was cleared or something it wasn't in his blood yeah start of the next episode his his blood returns to normal mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I'm kind of on the fence about is visitation I loved the episode faith I loved yeah. that you could take that episode on that you could take it on faith what happened next, that we would never understand the true purpose of the obelisk, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's really what the episode was about, you know? It, it, it was a special nugget where it's saying the destiny is on this runaway train. We can't stop. We can't turn around. We can't stick around and investigate. Uh, and there are some mysteries that we'll only be able to peek through the, um, the lock on the door about, and then we have to move on. And then Visitation, mm-hmm. cl- I mean, they wrapped it up, which I like, but they also destroyed the mystery of it. 
which I mm. began. They they took chips off of the mystery that we didn't understand the obelisk anymore in that episode than we did leaving Faith. But we we know what happened to those people in the end, and I was disappointed about that. I felt. I felt that the the mystery would have been really, really special if it was left open-ended. And we always asked ourselves, you know, what happened to these guys? Like, we always talk about Curtis and Palmer. What are they doing right now? Well, they're probably on their on their second kid by now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Settle down and making babies. Yeah. Well, I, the, the episode Faith was, uh, I took it very literally. We had to take it on Faith that, you know, they were going to be okay and that there are some things that we can never understand. And visitation was simply a, 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 sep- a stepping stone to understanding what that force is. And we probably will at some point know mm. what it is. Maybe not now, but... Don't you think that that would be probably the one that, that fans would, would complain about the most if the show answered, or if the show ended without answering that, without resolving that? You know, who are the obelisk aliens? What happened to the people we left behind on that planet? I could see, you know, Brad Wright being asked that question at a convention ten years from Absolutely. now. Absolutely, hadn't done visitation. Absolutely, but SGU I think is is more real than the two other shows in the past. And life doesn't always wrap everything up in a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. You know, it that's not how it works. Now, it, this is a fictional story, and that's probably what's con- what it's going to happen, or again, what would have happened had the show been renewed. So we'll have to see. I really liked Kane's character a lot. Oh yeah. Dr. Robert Kane. Uh, he's this, uh, I mean, of all the characters that we've met on the show so far, he's the one who seems to be sort of the most open to religious or not even necessarily religious, but just sort of his faith-based sense. I mean, he's not really talking about, about gods. He's not looking at these advanced aliens as though they are God, but still. Icarus Space uh, was full of a bunch of scientists. And, you know, yeah. they relied on empirical evidence. Who were, I mean, two plus two equals four, and what you see is what you get. And Cain brought a very metaphysical perspective, uh, which sure. was refreshing. And I wish they would have kept him around a while. Um, it was very intriguing to find out what happened when the aliens showed up on, the, on their planet and found mm-hmm. all those, those guys dead. Mm-hmm. And then tried to restore them and bring them back to us. I was so hopeful when we saw that last shot of, uh, of Cain's Kino Diary. And he's still alive when the aliens apparently show up. I was so hopeful that they, that at the last minute, that we would find out that he survived. Mm-hmm. And that he'd stick around for at least for a few more episodes and, and sort of continue to tease out the mystery of, well, we're looking for the source of the signal at the, at the creation of the universe. Maybe there's some connection with these super powerful aliens. Mm-hmm. But, um, and Malazzi so, yeah. said that he didn't make it, right? Yeah. Well, they could still bring him back without violating continuity. I mean, unless someone says Kane is dead, I this still is hold true, out hope but that after, he's walking around somewhere. But after an episode like Visitation, you'd hate to go. You know what? They've they've written and, and filmed eleven episodes after this. You'd hate to bring him back in episode three hundred one, and say, "Oh yeah, Kane's still alive. He's been uh, been working in the mess hall." Well, there's a lot. There's eighty people on that. You no, know, plus plus the the Lucian Alliance. You know. People go in and out. People go in and out. I could, I could see them getting away with it. What was his f- f- uh, specialty? Uh, computers? I mean, what? Computer repairs? Wasn't that it? <laughs> Computer repairman? <laughs> I don't know what his specialty was. I'll yeah. go to Best Buy and um, pick him up. Before Faith, he was on stone duty working in the, in the communication stone room. You know, I think he's, there was a line about him repairing computers or something. And then he had that potential for a relationship with, with Vanessa Young, you know, she thought he was cute. And Vanessa he, Young? The Vanessa James. Sorry. Just oh, that, that whole bit over the keynote. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
by and large, I really think that uh, the first half of season two has really been a home run. There have been a couple of stumbles. The, the mid-season finale was not everything that I wanted it to be. It was very slow. Great character moments in it. Uh, and Pathogen kind of was, was meh. But as far as I'm concerned, everything else was a home run. It really was good. Pathogen was, was some good sort of connective tissue. Yeah. Uh, the Glennis Davies stuff was great. With Chloe and with, with uh, Eli's mom back home. Definitely some good stuff, and and unlike season one, I don't think that there is there is a misstep in the bunch. I think that that the writers really looked at season one, and not just the fan feedback, but their own sense of their show, looked at what they had accomplished, and uh, made some course corrections, like every show does every season. And so far this year, it's really paying off. Um, I'm really happy with the story. Again, there's some pacing issues that that I might critique at the end of the day when when the show is completely done. And yeah, I want to see the second half of, of the mid-season two-parter, Deliverance, before I really really say that, that Resurgence should have been something completely different. Um, yeah. It could end up being kind of a slow start to a really awesome two-parter. Yeah, that's, yeah you're absolutely right. It's not, it's not completely fair to critique Best of Both Worlds Part 1 until you've seen Best of Both Worlds <laughs> Part 2. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, they're meant to hang together. But yeah, Season 2, so far, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled with Listener mail. Our first listener mail segment for 2011 features one little nugget discussing the mid-season two-parter, and it comes from Mark. Hello, this is Mark from Metro Detroit. This time, I should have done this for the Resurgence podcast, uh, but I did not, because of the little breaks that you had, I kind of got missed and skewed of when this should have went off and when this shouldn't have. Um, I did get a I did get a message during Resurgence, but this one has to actually do with Resurgence. I, you were talking about what do you think happened with Chloe. You thought maybe she fixed the XTLs. Well, I think Chloe is going to be that bridging gap that you were talking about. That Why was this episode, uh, why was this a mid-season thing? And I think this is extremely important in the mythology because I believe what I believe that little last minute of the scene was probably the most important thing that happened in the entire episode. I believe she alerted the blue aliens, and I believe that there will eventually be some kind of alliance. And I think they're going to be the ones that get our asses out of the fire. I think that they're going to come, and they're going to just rock these alien ships' worlds and just blow them out of the water. And it's going to begin an alliance with them. Now, that's a theory, and I know I want to go on by that. And also, I hate to hear the show is canceled, and all I have to say about that is I hope we get a movie to wrap up all the loose ends that this season will leave us. Mark, this is a really interesting theory. I could see that potentially happening. I don't know about an alliance, per se. I think they might show up, beat the bad guys off, and then take off again. I think that would be a really nebulous thing to happen. Or try and take Destiny. Maybe this is their their end game. Don't you think that their timetable, that would have pushed up their timetable a little bit? Yeah, certainly would have, I think. They they don't seem to be ready to make their move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we've we've speculated on Resurgence that what Chloe is doing at the end of the episode is completely in our best interests, and that she's doing something to save the ship from this, this uh, firefight with all these drones. Yeah, it's not, the ship's not going to blow up, thanks to her. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. There's another ten episodes to go. It's not going to be dead air. So, why the heck do we have only one voicemail, you ask? And I will tell you. It's because we actually got close to 30 voicemails uh, since our last show of the year. 
Uh, and most of it's on the big cancellation news, of course. The cancellation news hit right as we were about to record the last show of 2010. Uh, and so we slipped in a couple that had arrived, but everything else came in after we'd recorded the show. So we got so much of it. What we're going to do is we're going to do an all-voicemail uh, show next week. And you will still get to hear the dulcet tones of David Reed, don't worry. So, David, you and I are going to come back next week. We're going to play all this voicemail, and we're going to talk about it. Sound fun? Sounds like a gas. It's going to be fun. There's lots of, uh, lots of great opinions and insights out there. So that'll be next week's show. That'll be a whole lot of fun. If you called in any time over the last month, you should hear your voicemail. Uh, there's still time. If you want to call in the next couple of days, be sure to call by this weekend. If you want to have a chance to be a part of that show, that will be our SGU cancellation shout back. Shout back. I like it. But for this week, that's all the show that we have. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our first show of 2011. And thanks once again to Russell for editing the show for us. Thank you, Russell. You're the bomb. And thank you for following us into 2011. I can't believe it's 2011 already. It's going to be a good year. I sure hope so. Uh, if you want to give us a call on the hotline, that number is 951-262-1647. You can call anytime, day or night. You can also make a brief audio recording on your computer and email it to webmaster at gateworld.net. You can also make a comment in the podcast feedback thread in Gateworld Forum. And as always, our show notes uh, section, our show notes news item has a comment uh, place at the bottom for you to chat about. At any of the notes from this show, anything that you heard, anything like a proper noun, most likely we'll have a link in the show notes pane on uh, the GateWorld news feed that you can check out. Podcast show notes come out with every single episode. If you are an yep. iTunes listener, it is there for you. And this is episode number 113, SGU Season 2, so far. And David, next time I talk to you, I'm going to be back in Scotland. Ah, well, you have a safe trip then. Thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to it, looking forward to next next uh, podcast discussion in 2011 from GateWorld. This is Darren. This be David. And we'll see you back here next week for a very special voicemail installment of the GateWorld Podcast.